Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On Primetime Politics tonight, the federal government promises funding to conduct more searches after the discovery of the remains of 215 children at the former site of the residential school in Kamloops, British Columbia. But it's being accused of acting only after the horrendous discovery in Kamloops. I'll speak with Canada's Minister of Indigenous Services. And we'll get reaction from a residential school survivor as the movement builds for searches at residential school sites across the country and our panel of parliamentary journalists on the federal response to the residential schools tragedy and more. We will begin tonight with news that the federal government is promising funding to allow Indigenous communities across Canada to conduct their own searches of possible burial sites at former residential schools. The remains of 215 children have been discovered at the former school site in Kamloops, B.C. The federal government said today $27 million from budget 2019 is now ready to flow to Indigenous communities who also want to conduct their own searches. But the government is facing criticism that it's taken too long to provide the funding and that it's been forced to act by the horrific discovery in Kamloops. We all need to take lessons from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report. The recommendations which six years ago the Prime Minister said he would act and deliver on, we have collectively not done that. I wrote to him on moving forward on C8, and I appreciate the effort to move that forward. But we need to show urgency now to give closure to these families and to Indigenous communities. It is not the time for political rhetoric in Ottawa. It's time to come together with a plan. Will the Prime Minister commit to delivering that plan to Canadians ahead of Canada Day? Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, as a government, we will continue to move forward on this reconciliation journey in partnership with Indigenous peoples. And that means, yes, moving forward on C8. And I appreciate the Leader of the Opposition's support on that. But it also means moving forward on the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which is still problematic for the Conservative Party. It means continuing to move forward on ending boil water advisories, which uh, we are working hard on and will continue to. It means continue to respect Indigenous languages and Indigenous culture and fight systemic racism right across the country and do it at all orders of government. Well, Mark Miller is Canada's Minister of Indigenous Services. He joins me now. Uh, Minister Miller, uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. It's good to see you again. Hi, Peter. Look, let's begin with the $27 million left uh, from Budget 2019 to fund uh, the searches of possible mass grave sites at former residential schools. Uh, that's from a pool of $33 million uh, in Budget 2019. And I, I guess I'm wondering what's taken so long to get that money to Indigenous communities so they can conduct these searches. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Certainly in budget 2019, there was that large sum to respond to uh, calls to action 72 through 76. Uh, wh what we do know uh, is there's a lot more truth to be uncovered and, and some pretty uh, some pretty ghastly truths that um, that, that, the, that the discoveries this week certainly evidence, uh, you know, every single community, Indigenous community in Canada is is hurting. And so, my, you know, my, frankly, my focus right now is ensuring that the communities that are affected and they're several dozen of them that, that sent their kids or had their kids 
taken to the Catholic school, get the supports they need, and we actually give them the space they need to uh, to heal and to commemorate and establish the protocols to uh, to properly honor the children mm-hmm. and um, that they found. So, you know, there's a number of steps to this. I, I think foremost in all this, Peter, and, and I do recognize that Canadians are, are eager to hear quick and swift action as always from the feds, but we have to have indigenous communities at the center of this discussion. In the case of Kamloops, this is something that's been going on for decades, largely on their own dime. And there has been some money supplied by the feds, but clearly we'll be there to support communities. Yeah, and I want to dig a little deeper into how this process works, because it is a delicate process. And I think it's it's worth spending some time talking about how it needs to unfold. But, uh, you know, so two years, the money's been sitting uh, they're available, but, you know, and it's suddenly ready to roll out the door after the remains of 215 children are discovered in Kamloops. And I guess, you know, you'll understand the timing may raise some questions about whether the government has moved too slowly here and is now suddenly trying to hurry this money out the door because of what's happened in Kamloops. Uh, can you address that? Look, the eyes of our, of our nation, Peter, are, are fixed on this particularly painful moment, um, particularly so in Indigenous communities where people are being are, are triggered, are reliving some very um, real memories that, frankly, the existence of which of people in Canada denied. Um, and so when we talk about expediency, the, the government needs to be there. But foremost with Indigenous communities front and centre, um, this is not money certainly that's being pulled out of thin air. It was provided to respond to those calls of actions in, in during budget uh, 2019. And absolutely, there's certainly time to reflect on on the speed of um, of, of reconciliation. Um, this is a government that has put financial capital, political capital into this, and indeed has achieved significant amount of progress, more than any government in, in Canadian history. But again, it's, it's not really the time to be start talking about how, how great things are. This is a time of, 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 uh, of pain and suffering and time for, for, for us to give space to Indigenous communities to express that, that pain and suffering and, and proceed along that difficult path of truth, okay. which is the only proper way to heal. There there were some 140 residential schools, uh, even a, a few more than that. Do you have a sense of how many communities uh, are, are going to want to conduct these searches and, and access this money? I do not. And I think that will take some time to, to, to congeal. In a, in, there, are, there have been some very public requests, um, one of which came from Six Nations, the largest um, indigenous community in Canada with uh, the Mohawk Institute being uh, mm-hmm. equally large as Kamloops, uh, m- making a very specific public demand um, and uh, regional organizations. There are certainly, this has to be community led. Um, you, you can, we're talking about people's cousins, aunts, uncles, um, people want answers, uh, but certainly it is a very, very delicate situation. I've certainly faced <laughs> ones in Montreal where communities have taken quite some time to repatriate bones. And, and there have been some disagreements as to how to proceed, but it's something that has to be proceeded with respect and with the communities at the forefront. Can you guarantee, uh, can your government guarantee that every community that wants to do this kind of an investigation will get federal funding to do it? Well, as we've said, we will be there for them every step of the way. Um, we, have, um, we have a sense, as you mentioned, as to the communities that were affected um, and where um, communities sent people to schools. People may want to memorialize in different ways, but uh, certainly the, the, the federal government will, will be there. And I want to add this. Uh, we've had a lot of outreach from the provincial governments who have a very important role to play, particularly in Call to Action 71, when it involves provincial coroners, uh, and they have pledged their support as well. So I think that is um, somewhat heartening to see as well. Can you uh, 
Talk a little bit more about uh, the way this process needs to unfold. You've, you've talked about uh, the fact that uh, Indigenous communities have made it clear to the federal government they do not want a top-down process, that it has to, been, has to be driven uh, by those communities. Tell me about that. Well, this is, um, you know, we're talking about um, potentially crime scenes. Uh, with um, an unknown number of, uh, of, of bodies, some very young. I, I think a lot of us are still wrapping our heads around how someone as young as three years old could be there, but my understanding is entire families were taken at times. Um, there can be many views, uh, all, all valid within communities as to how to proceed. Um, and, and, and I can also anticipate um, different points of view. So again, um, this may seem to people as expressing uncertainty, certainly to some extent it is, uh, but we have to let those communities come together and establish those protocols as to how uh, remains are treated. Uh, in the case of Kamloops, we are dealing with um, more than one community, indeed um, close to, th to 30 that had mm -hmm. children taken away. So, you know, they, they have to go through their ceremonial fires and their protocols, which they are going through now and come to one mind um, as to how to proceed in honor and, 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 and do further investigations if needed. Again, this is a community that's been at it for, uh, I believe, over a decade. Right. So it predates even the TRC. The United Nations called for Canada today to conduct an exhaustive investigation to find the Indigenous children who died in residential schools, including forensic identification. Uh, will your government commit to doing that? We'll commit to walking that path with communities, Peter. I, I understand the, uh, the, the, the important uh, calls to action through what 71 through 76 that that ask us to do to do that but what they do and they instruct us to do is to put the most affected communities at the forefront of this discussion so we'll we'll walk at their pace which is and and that is important particularly in in a time of grief um i find it important not to put my my own mm -hmm. sense of distress on their shoulders because they are feeling that and i think that's something we all have to remember that we have to respect this time period um particularly uh, in an era where people want quick answers, and indeed uh, there are none. A couple of quick questions to, to finish up here. Uh, this horror discovered at Kamloops says um, it's reignited the debate over the monuments to those historic figures who were architects uh, of the residential school system, such as Sir John A. Macdonald. You, you held a news conference today in the Sir John A. Macdonald building in Ottawa. Uh, there's a monument to him on Parliament Hill. Should should those name plates and those monuments and those uh, buildings named after uh, those individuals who played a role in residential schools, should they be removed? Oh, look, this, that bitter irony didn't escape me at all, Peter. Uh, clearly, John A. Macdonald is uh, a father of Confederation. Um, the discussion in and around his legacy is one uh, of bitter partisanship. Uh, I don't want it to be like that. Uh, and, and I am not someone that wants, we need all parties um, to pull together, all political parties to pull together. Uh, and that debate in and around John A. Macdonald quickly descends into partisanship. Uh, on, as a personal matter, I don't believe in, in, in tearing things down and, 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 um, and destroying those statues. I believe fundamentally that we need to continue to educate. I, I understand the sentiments of those who would want to see that happen, but I feel that gives Canadians opportunities to look away and to deny that this, uh, these atrocities happened. And uh, if you can explain, if you can educate, if you can, if you can go past people's willful blindness, uh, I think it goes a longer way in making sure that these things don't repeat and perpetuate themselves. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the legacy of John A. Macdonald, um, I don't personally believe these statues should be ripped down. I, I, th I think there should be some explanation as to 
um, his role in the residential school uh, disgrace. It is a continuing national shame in the uh, in the trauma that it continues to perpetuate on Indigenous peoples. Um, so that is that is that okay. is my uh, my short view on it. Let, let's finish on this. Uh, there are also renewed calls for the Catholic Church and the Pope, in particular, to apologize for the role of the church in the residential schools uh, saga. Uh, you share those calls. Why? Well, I feel it's the right as a human being. I feel it's the right thing to do. Uh, they haven't done so. Um, other other religious organizations have. The Anglican Church has. Uh, the United Church has. It it it, it just needs to be done. I think it continues to um, rub salt into some wounds that have been reopened this week in particular. Uh, I believe uh, in, in, in the good faith of the Pope and his desire to apologize. Um, there is also some responsibility on the Canadian Council of Catholic Bishops and that responsibility um, lies squarely with them as, um, as, as they take their responsibility for this particular moment right. in in Canadian history. All right. Uh, I, I, I do want to stress, though, Peter, in, in, in concluding, yep. I, I'm not a Catholic. And, and mm -hmm. so I think this is a discussion for Catholics to hold their church to account. Um, sometimes I feel uneasy calling out other, uh, uh, other denominations, uh, but um, I did spend time in a Catholic institution. I, I know enough to feel uh, that I have a view on that, but I, I do want to be respectful of, um, of my fellow Catholic Canadians as well at the same time who I think share my view. All right, Minister Miller, uh, good for your time. Uh, good for taking time to speak with me tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Bruce Allen is a survivor of the residential school system, uh, as is his father and sister and grandmother and some aunts and uncles as well. He is now a resolution health support worker at the Indian Residential Schools Survivors Society. He joins me now from Prince George. Uh, Mr. Allen, good of you to take the time to speak with me today. We have the federal government saying it's now ready to roll out some $27 million it budgeted two years ago to help Indigenous communities conduct gravesite searches at residential school sites. Uh, what's your reaction to that funding announcement and the fact it's taken two years to make it available? Well, I think... Um if that's that's uh, money for all of the residential schools across uh, Canada, that's um, quite a small amount, I would I would say. Uh, British Columbia alone had thirty residential schools in operation uh, throughout the, its history, and so uh, twenty-seven million would. Um, cover BC, mm. and I'm not too sure if you divide it up by the rest of the provinces. I, I still think that's probably a small amount. Yeah, the, um, the government says, the minister, the minister says that, uh, that the federal government will be there every step of the way, but I guess uh, people will want to see exactly what that means when it comes to actually following through. Uh, the government points out, the minister pointed out today that it took uh, two years to get ready to roll out this money um, uh, in some measure to understand exactly what Indigenous communities wanted the money for and what services and expertise the federal government would help fund with that money, uh, that the process had to be led by the communities. Help us understand why it is so crucial that Indigenous communities lead these searches for these lost children. I think, first of all, as, as survivors of residential schools, um, a lot of the survivors know, the, the remaining survivors know um, because of witness and um, 
events that happened at residential schools, they would know the sites where uh, they may have witnessed um, children being buried or other other things such as um, furnaces and water and mm. all of that sort of thing. So, it, you know, the it'll take a lot of investigation to to find um, some of these bodies because it, it, it will come from survivors and survivors uh, usually are, you know, a little bit leery about talking to just anybody and um, it does bring up a lot of uh, grief mm. and, and loss and so uh, a lot of that has been buried over the years but uh, remaining survivors who are witnesses um, have a lot of the information. So First Nations would uh, would have that information um, a lot easier than if an outside um, group came in to investigate. Okay. Um, you've witnessed the reaction from across Canada in the past few days, the, the shock and the sadness from every corner of this country. Uh, what do you think of that reaction? I think it's... Uh, well founded. I, I'm a father and I'm a grandfather. And so I, I do have a, a grandson three years old. And with the Kamloops discovery of a three-year-old, you know, that really hits home for me because I can't imagine my grandson being taken right now. Um, I do have five boys and uh, any one of them being taken that would have been devastating. And I can imagine that would extend to my um, father and his siblings being taken to Lee Jack and then my father attending the Kamloops Residential School um, back in 1949 to 1954 when he graduated. Mm. So um, it does hit home for a lot of uh, survivors and intergenerational survivors. And, and when you look um, beyond, you look beyond the Indigenous community, a lot of Canadians think of residential schools as a part of our past, but uh, that is certainly not the case for survivors. It, it, it's part of your everyday life, isn't it? Yes, especially, yeah, it, it comes back every day. Any um, bad memories from residential schools will come back every day. And um, this event has really triggered a, a lot of survivors and uh, sometimes it's it's good. Um, I attended a gathering at the residential school site that I attended and I saw a few people that I went to school with and one in particular, um, I went to say hi to him, see how he was doing and he was um, very emotional and the reason was that it was the first time for him coming back to the school site since he left as a child. Um, the tragedy in Kamloops has also renewed the calls uh, across the country now to, to remove the statues and rename buildings that have been dedicated to the architects of the residential school system. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> there's, I, I hear two sides from survivors. They say, keep it in, so we need to you know, use it as opportunities to teach. Um, I think uh, Duncan Campbell Scott was a huge figure in the residential school system. And um, Canadians need to, to learn more about what uh, his role 
was in the residential schools um, for for Lee Jack. Uh, in 1937, there was a four boys who froze to death who ran who were running away from the residential school, and it was investigated, but um, really nothing came of it. Uh, D.C. Scott simply said that you know yeah we expect some deaths in the schools and we're going to carry on. So. Um, yeah, I, I, the statues, uh, you know, there's two sides to that. Uh, some of them say remove them. All right. Um, Mr. Allen, thanks so much for your, uh, your time tonight. And uh, it was good to talk to you. And we'll talk again, I hope. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, let's bring in our panel of uh, press gallery journalists now. Susan Delacorte, a columnist with the Toronto Star. Joel Denis Bellavance is the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for La Presse. And John Iveson is a columnist with the National Post and Parliamentary Bureau Chief for Post Media. Uh, Susan, the government announced today funding is now available to help with um, uh, searches uh, for those Indigenous communities uh, that want to carry out those searches for possible grave sites from the residential schools. Uh, some questions about the timing of why it's taken so long to roll out money from the 2019 budget. Um, let me ask you about the government's response. Has it risen to the moment of just how much trauma and shock uh, the discovery of these remains in Kamloops has caused across all of Canadian society? It's a that's a really difficult question. It's a it's a million dollar question, actually, Peter, because uh, there are so many levels on which the government is being asked to respond. One is rising to the moment emotionally, symbolically. And I think people have thought uh, I've seen some columns on such that the prime minister has not been his usual emotional self about this. He's almost been restrained. Um, I, I think this is a very hard one to to um, to set the the perfect tone. I thought Mark Miller came close today and, and Carolyn Bennett to some degree. But um, I, I, I was really struck by how much they talked during their, the, the press conference today about why is it taking so long? The Prime Minister gave a hint of this in his answers earlier in the week too. Why is it taking so long? Because the government can't lead this because this is the opposite of government leadership in this place. And where people really want the government to come in there and say, let's do something on this, that is exactly what got the government into the messes it's been in before on Indigenous affairs, okay. which is acting like big daddy government can fix everything. John, they can't. They're, they're following. John, what do, you, what do you think about, uh, uh, well, I guess the events of the last five days or so and how the government has responded to it? Well, it really is one of these... Uh, rare moments where the whole country appears to be gripped by grief and um, you know I mean for people who followed this this was eminently uh, if not expected it was it was eminently possible because the truth and reconciliation report has a whole section on um, unnamed deaths so you know the government awarded money for it in the 2019 budget it hasn't spent it but I just I think it's just brought everybody back to the to the point where they they're thinking about the well it was a it was a cultural genocide is what the Truth and Reconciliation Commission called it and accurately because it was it was a policy designed to erase uh, rip children from their, their parents and erase all traces of of uh, indigenous culture so I think for whatever reason there's been a delayed reaction before people really grasped that fact because there was not this kind of outcry back in 2015. 
Um, and, and I guess from the government's point of view, Trudeau came out and promised he was going to do everything in that report in 2015 without having read it. And he's now finding that there are a whole bunch of things there's a government website with responses and he can't do a lot of this stuff, including getting the Pope to apologize. Right. Joel Denis, what do you think? Well, I was wondering whether an address to the nation would, would have been justified in this case, because we're uh, embarking on a difficult period because what we saw in Kamloops, will be, uh, we will be seeing more of that in the coming weeks. And I think the prime minister would have been justified to prepare a nation for a collective grief, grief if I may say. That will last a few months. Um, and, and some will argue, will, did he rise to the occasion for that moment? Um, I'm not sure, but uh, this is clearly a difficult moment for First Nations and for the government to deal with. And as Susan mentioned, they want uh, First Nation leaders to take the lead on this file because... Uh, in the past, the government has dictated the way to go forward, and it's not going to be uh, possible in this case. But I think Mr. Trudeau should have risen to the occasion, and a speech to the nation would have been justified in this case. Just quickly on that, one of the most vocal critics of, for Trudeau thus far has been Jody Wilson-Raybould, mm -hmm. who pointed out that his response has been symbolic and half-hearted, and nothing has changed since 2015. That's pretty damning criticism. Uh, Susan, you, you, you've written about this. That, uh, talk to me a bit about the reaction we've seen from non-Indigenous communities, from Canadians across the country here who, uh, perhaps in large measure, uh, as, as John pointed out, when we had the uh, Truth and Reconciliation report released some six years ago with the recommendations, uh, I'm, I'm not sure Canadians grasp the significance of it as much as they have in the last five days with the discovery of these bodies. Yeah, I compared it to the 2015, actually, uh, discovery of, um, or the, the, the horrible sight of that young refugee boy, Alan Curdy, on the beach. And Canadians uh, had been reading all summer about the stories of Syrian refugees, but that, that picture, that idea, the innocent child, uh, I, I think this is very much a moment like that. The big difference is, and this goes to what we were just talking about, is that in that case, Canadians themselves, non-Indigenous Canadians, knew what to do about it. They could sponsor a family. Mm -hmm. They could give to international aid. I think this is where the government might want to do some thinking, rather than even an address to the nation. Can the Prime Minister find something for non-Indigenous Canadians to do with the feelings that we have right now, beyond, you know, thoughts and prayers? Right. Is there something concrete we can do about reconciliation? It's a moment that can be seized, but it's really, really difficult to figure out what we do with that um, that sentiment right now. All right, uh, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, John, let me move to you. MPs from all opposition parties back to Conservative motion uh, to issue a formal House order to force the Public Health Agency of Canada to hand over uh, to the Speaker unredacted documents on pre-pandemic collaboration between the National Microbiology Laboratory in Winnipeg and the Wuhan Institute, uh, and the firing of two scientists from the lab earlier this year um, and, and their connections to China. This motion was put forward after the president of the Public Health Agency refused to explain why those two scientists were fired. Why is this search for answers important? Well, I mean, from the government's, from the opposition's point of view, it's it's something of a fishing expedition because it's not clear that the law clerk will allow any of it to be to become public. Um, I mean, we really don't know what happened here, but it's pretty disturbing that uh, you know extremely contagious viruses were shipped, apparently illegally, uh, from from Winnipeg to to Wuhan. 
which is also at the centre of the, the uh, coronavirus uh, epidemic. So, you know, it's not quite clear what's going to come out of this. I do think that the Prime Minister's line that anybody who asked about it was, was sort of engendering anti-Asian sentiment was not the right line. And, uh, you know, particularly when conservative, Asian Conservative MPs stood up and asked the same question. Right. Uh, they was, it was clearly evasion tactics. And whether we actually find out what they were trying to evade, who knows? All right. Joel Denis, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, the opposition party, the Conservative Party, has been asking some questions on this for the last few weeks. And the uh, health minister, Paddy, as do and other ministers have been saying that they can't give any answers because, you know, for security reasons. So it raises questions about our own national security if they can answer those questions on national security grounds. So uh, is it a fishing expedition? Probably. Will it give, uh, uh, will it give uh, the opposition party some documents that they are seeking? We don't know. But sure, this story has some legs for a few, few weeks. Okay, only got about 20 seconds, Susan. Sorry about that. Uh, what do you think of what's happening here? I, 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 without opening up a Pandora's box, I'm not, I, I don't think of this in isolation from the efforts that Joe Biden and what's going on in the United States right now to uh, find out about the source of the virus. I think, I'm not sure we would have been having this conversation if Donald Trump was still in office, trying to blame everything on China for no good reason. Mm. But I think that we're in a different stage now. That's, I think, uh, I, I, I think it's, a, it's a very interesting development given the long history of this. All right. Uh, we'll continue to see how that plays out as well. Uh, thank you all for your time tonight. Good to see you all. Take care. Thanks. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. And that is all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics. I'm Peter Van Dusen. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. Until next time.